Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. I get to the table, that person, I don't care who they are, they're my mortal enemy. If I win, it's just because I wanted to be the best one time in my life. My whole body is an engine. This is a fire plug, and I'm going to light him up. Former bodybuilder, and now, up and coming, arm wrestling sensation with a show that is over the top. Firing up the mic, the host of Arm Wrestling Nation Radio, here is Craig Souvenir. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another exciting edition of Arm Wrestling Nation Radio, Tuesday night, October 27th. We're rocking out this month. Halloween is Saturday for all you goblins and ghosts out there eating candy and having a good time this weekend. We've got an exciting show for you guys tonight, fresh off PAL. Vendetta in Vegas, Arm Fight 44, Herman Stevens is going to be joining us. And, uh, man, he's been making a statement as of late. And, you know, with that, a lot of guys have, uh, you know, been out there wanting to challenge him. So uh, we got Herman coming on the show. Uh, Alpert should be calling in here in a few minutes. Uh, I'm going to talk about the whole vendetta this weekend in Las Vegas. I mean, just arm wrestling and just in general is just blowing up insane. It's crazy. You know, you get these, you know, you got these great events like the one-on-one. I mean, that's what I'm a fan of the one-on-one six round matchups. Um, you know, it's awesome to see those guys. Awesome staging in Vegas. Uh, you know, people really enjoy that stuff. You know, this year we're going to have super amount of great matches. I mean, just released today, uh, you know, Michael Todd, Push Guard. We knew that was in the making January, you know, Tim Bresnick. And, uh, you know, just a bunch of great matchups. And uh, just really looking forward to, to that. You know, WAL, big announcements this week. You know, ESPN. CBS Sports, I mean, it's just crazy, man. It's just crazy. You know, this is the sport to be in right now if you're an arm wrestler and uh, you need to get a little motivation to train hard. Um, that's definitely, definitely a, a, a plus to uh, to be a part of all those events. So, uh, you know, that being said, I'm uh, going to get a shout-out to our sponsors, and we're going to be right back with our guest, Herman Stevens. Country Crush, baby. 
The handles are made of polymer plastic that sits freely over a shaft, causing a free spinning motion. The frame is constructed of a high-grade steel and made here in the USA. The handle, while you can work many different exercises, was designed to challenge your hand strength. Focusing on overall arm strength, adding a balance and stability to your workout. By adding rolling handles, the Country Crush allows the user to work many different movements. Not easily done by similar handles, and by closing your wrists off at the end of each movement, you work your wrist and strengthen it at the same time. Country Crush, baby. What are you waiting for? Get in the game. If you ain't traded with the Country Crush, then you ain't traded. Check out www.countrycrush.net now. Armed Alliance is committed to producing powerful arm wrestling apparel to athletes around the world. Our mission is to represent the arm wrestling community with unmatched design, unique style, and superior fit that will set you apart from the crowd. Our shirts, made from next-generation cotton polyester, allows for maximum comfort and quality. We offer custom orders for hats, compression sleeves, team or individual shirts, and arm wrestling tables. Visit our site at www.armedallianceapparel.com and gear up today. Rep the movement. Armed Alliance for Life. Welcome back, guys. And uh, without further ado, I want to welcome our guest for this evening, fresh off Vendetta in Vegas, huge win over Alan Ford. It's an honor and a pleasure to welcome Herman Stevens to uh, the show. What's up, Herman? How you doing tonight? I'm doing pretty good. What's going on with you? Not much, man. Um, I got to ask you, uh, how exciting was it for you to be a part of that huge event this Saturday and come out with the big W? Oh, it was crazy. Um, I don't get excited about many things, but I was pretty excited about that event. Uh, whether it was avenging the losses to Allen um, or being on Fremont Street and seeing the matches displayed all over the ceiling, up and down the street, it was pretty crazy. Yeah, I mean, it's got to be insane for a guy like you. You've been in the sport a while. You've seen it change. You see, you know, all these different things happen with all these different federations. And then all of a sudden, you're there Saturday night, you know, part of the main event. I mean, it, I mean, it's just got to be insane for you, uh, you know, putting in all that work. And now you're getting exposure on TV, big events like this. I mean, how does that make you feel? It feels good. I mean, I, I don't really get caught up in the whole show of it. I mean, it's cool to see the, the cameras and all that stuff, but for me it's about the basics, and that's the guy I'm going against. Um, I tell everyone, I said, you know, even if I had a match against Todd Hutchings, I said, I don't need anyone to be there. You know, my current plan is possibly to fly to his house, and we have a match, and it's just me, Todd, and his wife, and it doesn't matter who knows who won the match, you know? Mm-hmm. I tend to focus on, you know, how I feel about the thing. So if I beat someone, that's all that matters, you know, in my book. I don't need anyone else to know about it. Um, all the other stuff is just extra. You know, that's that's a great point, man, because, I mean, that's that's got to be the motivation for you is just to stick to the basics. I mean, I know, you know, you're not a big social media guy. You're not out there posting about your training, videos out there, uh, you know, events. I was very surprised that you even, you know, posted some pictures of you even winning because you are one of the humbler guys out there. You, you got to really search to see what's going on with you as far as who you're pulling, what's going on, winning, losing, whatever. But that being said, I mean, 
is that what just motivates you to to just climb up the ladder and and beat these guys no matter where it's at? Like you said, just if it's in Todd Hutchings' kitchen, is that what's the motivation behind what drives you to be the best? At- yeah, it's just being the best that I can be. That's that's the general focus, and I, I can I can find that without anyone else ever seeing it. Now, let's talk about Alan Ford for a second. I mean, you get up. You get ready for this big super match. I mean, it's a huge event. How do you go in these events versus a tournament when you're one-on-one with these guys? You, you have a history. We had Alan on the show last week, and he was, you know, nothing but respect, both of you guys. Um, and he was saying he, he, he got the best of you the last time at UAL. You guys kind of talked afterwards. He showed you a few things, and, you know, it, it was a lot different this time around for you. But is that something where you study a guy like him, watch videos, does that change your training up when you're one-on-one with a guy like Alan? No. Um, I have a game plan. Um, my, my training is pretty broad in general, so I don't really change much, right? I think for Alan, in the last month, I worked my hand a little bit more than usual, but, I mean, it wasn't like an outsized change or a significant difference from base training. Um, I just continue to progress things, and they'll shake out however, you know, However it works out, it'll it'll just fit. Now, I mean, as of late, I mean, you've been a dominant force in the under 200-pound class. I mean, everybody's talking about you. I mean, you're coming in, winning tournaments left and right. You know, is what's been going on as far as, like, what's changed for you? I mean, have you done something different as far as the training? Are you getting more table time in as a – as you know, as the months progress into these uh, the big events, what's been different for you that you've been just coming on and smashing everybody? Um, nothing really. I mean, I've I've trained I don't know roughly, I mean maybe on average twice a day for almost the past five and a half years. I've been on the table once a week for about the last five and a half years. Um, I mean, just those basic metrics they don't really change much. Um, I would say this year I've been heavier than I've ever been. Um, I think typically my average weight for a year might be, I don't know, 210. This year, that average weight may have been closer to 230. Um, a lot of stuff involved with that. It's work, you know, personal stuff. I probably haven't eaten as well as I should have. But, I mean, more calories is generally more strength. Mm-hmm. Let's let's talk about your training, man. I mean, because it's pretty secretive. I mean, we don't get to see you like posting stuff out there. What what's what's training like? I mean, you're hitting the gym twice a day. I mean, what what are you doing as far as training goes? Well, so I would say it's nothing special. I mean, I think Todd laid out his plan, and when I talked to Todd last August at UAL eight, I kind of extracted a whole lot of details from him, and our training lined up almost almost identical, all right? I think the one thing that Todd did differently was that he does a lot more max effort work. Um, I typically hold off on that kind of stuff because uh, I think it's hard to recover from it and, and things of that sort. But, I mean, I'm a high-frequency guy. I'm a high-volume guy, and I'm even a high-intensity guy. And, um, and that's with arm wrestling stuff, and that's with powerlifting stuff. Um, but, I mean, generally, I mean, if, if you take Todd's blueprint from last week, I think you're on a path to success. I don't think okay. it's that much different than what I do to regurgitate it, you know? I got you. So how about as far as um, the table time goes, you're, you're getting in once a week. Um, that's basically what you're doing as far as that. Now, 
you know, I, I've talked to a lot of guys. They get pretty sore sometimes with table time. Are you one of those guys, or is, are you just, like, so used to it now that you're on a different level, it doesn't affect your training? Yeah, it depends on where you are sort of in your local food chain. Um, I'm the strongest guy on the team, so I don't take as much damage as, let's say, the weakest guy on the team. Um, I would say someone like Devin Laird is in the same position, um, you know, in his hometown. So that's why Devin can practice three times a week is because he just doesn't take the damage. Um, but, yeah, training is probably a little bit different if you're the low-tier guy or the weakest guy on your team. Now, does that do you think that's a disadvantage being the strongest guy on the team? I mean, getting challenged by guys out there or as the practice goes on, is that something that, you know, you're able to just use those guys as training tools? Yeah, I've got some pretty good guys like Eric Martinez. I mean, he takes instruction well, so if I tell him to press this way or jump on my hand this way, he does it. Um, but in the back of my mind, I go to tournaments sometimes, and I don't know what my arm feels like. I don't know. I don't have a groove, basically, for my technique because I don't have someone equal to hit on, if you understand what I'm saying. Yep, um, yep. I, so sometimes I, I walk up to the table and my arm just feels rigid. Like I don't know what I'm going to do because I don't have that, that sort of experience on the table. I don't get to pull against guys that strong. However, the results sort of indicate that it's not that big of a deal. Mm -hmm. um, you have a lot of guys that have, you know, Brzinks and Bass and Larrets to, to train with, and they aren't necessarily that special either. So, I mean, I think it's really up to the individual. I mean, if you if you want to be good, if you have the potential, you know, at a base level, and you put in the work, you'll probably be successful whether you do what I do or Todd does or, you know, mm -hmm. what Luke Kent does. Mm -hmm. Now, as far as your workouts go outside of table time, how long on average does a, does a, a typical session last for you? So in the morning, maybe 30 minutes to an hour. At lunch, 30 minutes to an hour. And then after work is maybe a bonus workout. I don't know. That could be an hour. And do you train at a gym, or do you have a place at home that you train at, or what's what's the setup yeah. for you? The morning workouts are at home. Um, they're sort of a general, I have like a general session where it's like body weight stuff. And then I have a second half, which is arm wrestling stuff. At work, I have access to a gym. Again, there's a general component to it and there's an arm wrestling component. And then outside of those two workouts, I, I'm, I should be going to a gym to do deadlifts, bench press, squats, cleans, whatever. Okay. Now, Albert Kozar is joining us now. Albert, what do you got to say to Herman here? Hey, Herman. Uh, how are you? How's it going, Albert? Good. We never met with each other, right? Say that again? Person. We never met in person, right? Oh no, never. Have you ever? Okay, were you at UAL too? I can't remember if. You no, know. I was at UAL three. Are you in Florida? Uh, UAL two was in LA. Was no, are you in Florida? I am in Florida. Yeah, Jacksonville. Yeah, I, I've avoided Florida because someone told me in 2010 that I couldn't place at a Florida tournament, so I've never gone. <laughs> <laughs> not true. Yeah, yeah, I don't believe that on, either. Just, <laughs> Who told you that? Yeah, <laughs> I want to say it was stuff. I think it was stuff. Oh gosh, really? Oh man. Yeah, but I don't know. Maybe that's what my memory fails. I know someone said it. I don't necessarily remember the name. Well, it, it'd be yeah. awesome to have you here in Florida. That's for sure, Herman. So. See.
that, that's, that's how yeah. I train so much, because I'm crazy. At 5 o'clock in the morning, this is what's going through my head. I can't place in Florida. <laughs> So, uh, I have been following you on Facebook, and uh, I remember you attending uh, Igor's training school in Vegas, uh, that yes. certification school. What do you have, anything uh, anything about that that you can uh, share with us? Um, I think it's a very valuable program for new guys, maybe even mid-tier guys. I think if an, if an arm wrestler is already established, I don't know necessarily what they're going to gain from it because I know we're probably all stuck in our ways. Um, in particular, they told me that I need 21 days to fully recover or rest before a tournament. I thought that was crazy. But uh, I don't know. This, this guy may just be smarter than me, but I'll probably never test out 21 days of rest. 21 days off the table or the whole workout? I don't know. I think there was like light workouts or something, but still, that's a long time. And I mean, they had a lot of technical data on, you know, resting your mitochondria and all this stuff like that. I mean, it was a while back. I didn't take really detailed notes to defend the course. So, I mean, you, you'd want to ask Igor. Okay. But overall, it was, I thought it was a very good course, if, especially if you're somewhere and you don't, you know, you don't have someone to coach you, you don't have John Brzezink or you know, these guys or some local, you know, top-tier guy, going to these types of courses can be very beneficial if you're somewhat studious. You know, if you pay attention and you take notes and you go actually do it. Um, I truly believe if you just pick a plan and you work hard and you execute it, you'll make progress. The progress is not, I mean, the problem is not programs or lack of programming. It's just that people don't do anything. That's the problem. I mean, I've written programs for so many people, and they just don't do it. Yeah. No, that's that's you know what that's a great point because a lot of people they they act like they want to be a champion, and then when you put it out on paper, and then they got to get into the hard work and the basis of it, they they don't really want to do it. You know what I mean? It's just like yeah. one of those things where no one wants to get up at five o'clock, no one wants to train on their lunch break, no one wants to train after work, no one wants to put in the time because they're so full of excuses in this kind of generation, the age that we're in. I mean, unless you've been bred into that hard work philosophy, which you have, um, you know, these guys, they're looking for a secret and an easy way. And, uh, you know, and that's, that's the analogy I get when I talk to guys, they ask me, how do you train so much? It's because I just have a desire to train, you know, cause I want to be better. And they're like, oh, well, I can't fit in the time. Well, you can, you know. I mean, you're you're an example of that, talking about getting up in the morning before work, training on your lunch break. I mean, Dave Shafee, another example of that, you know, Todd Hutchings. You know, and speaking of uh, taking notes and stuff like that, are you one of those guys, Herman, that does um, take um, notes on your training? I mean, do you record, um, you know, data from your training so it's different each time? No, um, I'm really lazy when it comes to that stuff. I didn't take notes in college, and I don't like taking notes now. Um, but, I mean, a lot of my training is so simple. I mean, a lot of times it's only three exercises, and it's with yeah. bands. So with bands, you, you can't really write down a load rating unless you measure your stretch distance, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So with bands, you may not have a numerical value to target, but you can just target your highest intensity for the day. You may not know what the pounds are, but if you try your hardest, you've maxed out today. 
you've tried your hardest tomorrow, you've maxed out for that day, right? And I think if you just keep, I'm not saying you have to go balls to the wall, but I mean, but if you keep pushing it every day, it doesn't matter what the number was, you'll be stronger. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, you know, if, if as I get or have more access to cable machines, I can start looking at those numbers more, and who knows, maybe I may feel the need to write it down, but I'm not doing a lot of, you know, holds and, mm-hmm. you know, having to track weight and time, so it's not very complicated. It's purely mm-hmm. weight for me at this point. And I was just going to say, you can remember if you deadlifted 500 pounds, 550, whatever. It's not like, you know, it's not like exactly. brain surgery here. I got you. Exactly. But Todd, no. Todd probably has, you know, He's a little 10 more times the exercise. Yeah. yeah, he has a lot of stuff he has to keep up with. So, I mean, it probably makes sense that he documents it because if he's doing an eight-week rotation, he probably won't remember what he did on that exercise eight weeks ago. Now, now, talking about taking time off, I mean, let's talk a little bit about the recovery for you. Like, what do you do leading up to a tournament, and what do you do as far as, like, you know, for this matchup? Do you cycle your training, like, and peak for this event for, like, say, this weekend? How how would you have blueprinted your training for this? Um, so, again, right, same exercises every day, you know, in the morning, in the afternoon, whatever. Um, um, I mean, I know Devin likes to taper his loading and, and start peaking. I probably, I barely tapered for this. I just keep going. Um, and so I think by the time, I think I was still like maxing on stuff on Monday before the, the tournament. Wow. All right. And that's side pressure included. Um, my powerlifting hasn't been as serious this year. So um, one thing that I would focus on if I was powerlifting is that I need to drop deadlifts and squats out maybe three weeks before the tournament. Okay. Um, that stuff really fries your central nervous system. But, I mean, I'm not I'm not pushing it like Todd is. I mean, if you watch Todd's videos, I mean, he's blowing a gasket, mm-hmm. you know, almost in every set. So I'm probably not doing 99 to 100% reps, you know. I might go up to 90 or something, 85. I think I can do that kind of every day. How are your numbers as far as powerlifting? Like what? Like and and explain to us too. Like because a lot of guys out there, you know, when you tell them you're squatting and you're an arm wrestler, they're like, "Well, what do you what do you squat for?" Yeah, so um, I haven't really pushed myself. In maybe in the last couple of years, I've done it as far as like a maintenance of strength. But in 2013, I benched 380, and that was after bench pressing seven days a week for a month straight. So I took no rest before maxing. So I think my bench press was much better than that. But I was so depressed after bench pressing every day for a month that I, I didn't bench press for two years. <laughs> I was going to say, wow. So I, that bench press, bench press still hasn't come back. Okay. Um, my best squat, my best back squat was 475. I did that maybe after four months of training. Um, I, I typically have like tendonitis problems, so I never can really push it. Um, I front squat at 380 once, and uh, I think I was 190 when I did that. Wow. And my best deadlift is 570 with no belt or no chalk. Wow. And uh, I think that was that was back in 2013 also. So I, think I have a lot in the tank, I think, on those lifts. We'll just have to see when I have time in my schedule or when I feel motivated to do it. Well, I want to jump in here, uh, Herman. Uh, I believe you started arm wrestling with Team Louisiana, right, with uh, Craig and uh, the folks over there? Yep, Craig and Ray Henricks and Ryan Timms and all those guys. 
Okay, um, and then you moved to uh, you moved out from Louisiana, and then uh, did you uh, did you have any uh, training with Wascan, or did I do I remember it wrong? I remember some. Yeah, I moved in June. I moved to California June 2012, and I probably okay. practiced with Vosgen maybe once a month that year, so maybe a handful of times. And then I practiced with them maybe a few times in 2013, and once in 2014, and once in 2015. So, I mean, we really haven't practiced that much. Um, and part of that is because both of our practices are on a weekday. Um, a lot of times our practices are on the same day, so if I want to go practice with Vosgen, I have to completely leave my home practice, you know, just open or shut it down. So it just doesn't really make sense if, I, if I'm going to have a local team. Right. Well, my question is, you started with Louisiana. You got that, that school over there. Uh, they, they do things their way, and then you experience with Waskan. You learn some stuff from there. You spoke with Tadachings, and then you attended Igor's training school. You're very well-rounded, knowledge-wise. So what is your uh, suggestion to our listeners to uh, fellow arm wrestlers, when you compare all these methods, what would you suggest? Pick something and execute it. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. If you just if you pick a path and you do it, you'll be good. I'm sure that I don't train the same way that Rob Vigia trains, and we're both good arm wrestlers. You know, uh, I would say, you know, if you no matter what city you're in, whoever the main guy is, I would probably listen to what he does, right? Because if I'm training you, I'm coaching you on the basis that you are training the way I train, right? So you kind of have to listen to that guy. Otherwise, what he's teaching you on the table won't line up, you know? Yeah. So if, so if, if, I'm, teaching, if I'm primarily teaching outside or high hooking and you're only training shoulder press at home, you're going to suck on the table because you have no way of, executing the high hooks. Mm -hmm. You know, so I think you have to really line up with the guys that are mainly coaching you. Now, yeah, you can do stuff on the side. I didn't I didn't do 100% what Craig and Ray told me, but, I mean, you really need to have a good alignment through and through at, at practice and then at home with what the main coach is teaching. Right. right. And you have, to, and you have and to listen. You know, this is not, this is not like a, a negotiation. <laughs> you know, yeah. I think if, someone, if one of my guys really pushed back, you know, and said they were going to do something that I thought was ridiculous, I mean, when they when they fail, I can't feel bad for you. Mm -hmm. You know, absolutely, absolutely. You know, you make you make a great point because a lot of people, myself included, you know, being getting in the sport, looking, searching, what's that, you know right training program, what's the magic combination, you know, what days do I train my side pressure, this and that. And, and, and you, you really made a really great point, and it's really simple, is you just got to execute whatever you're taught, whatever you're learning, and, and just work hard at it. And that's the basis, basically, because, I mean, you can learn and learn and learn, but you're never going to come up with that magic potion. You just got to work hard at what you're doing and 100%. Correct. And I mean, after you do something for a year, you'll learn. You'll learn what you need to tweak. You'll learn, you know, what's different between you and Dave Chafee. You know, whatever. You know, you'll, you'll find these differences and then you'll develop maybe your own program that works for you. Right? But I can't imagine it's going to be 
revolutionary or significantly different than what I do, Dave does, Todd does, Luke does, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. And I want to change avenues here and ask another question. Where do you see yourself compared to uh, Europeans at your uh, weight class? Oh, I don't know. This is the hardest thing. Um, I don't think I've ever gone into an event and I just felt like I'm gonna, I was going to crush everybody. Um, I, I think that's one of the reasons why I train so hard. I'm full of self-doubt. I don't expect anything. I don't expect to win. Um, I had someone, someone told me, uh, well, Doug Ehrlich told me yesterday he thinks I might be able to win Zlati, right? Mm-hmm. And, of course, I told him that he was crazy, right? <laughs> I, but I then again, that. people say these things, and, and I doubt it, and I win. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. It's very hard for me to judge myself. And, again, it goes back to not having, you know, uh, top-tier training partners. I have no gauge where I am other than maybe what I lift in the gym. So I know I'm getting stronger, but I don't know how much of a better arm wrestler I am until mm-hmm. I get on the table and find out. Any uh, any plans going to Zlati or uh, any of the other tournaments out there in Europe? No, probably not. So I think Igor's pushing people to go to Zlati. I don't know if you saw Denise Waddle's post. Yeah. Um, but it's just too sh- it's, it's too short notice. You know, it's the end of the year. I got work trips. I got you know trips back home and stuff like that. Um, so I don't think I'll make it. Um, it's contradictory to the way I execute things, too. I mean, I don't really rush into things, mm-hmm. you know. Right. I have no problem. I have, I have no problem sitting at home for another six months before I pull again. Hmm. Right. And, and, you know? and, Craig, you know, we've been talking about Sulade with, you know, all of our guests, mm-hmm. uh, the top guys in the United States. I would like to see Herman in a dream team if we send a dream team over there. Mm-hmm. You know, he's definitely one of the guys that I would like to see. Absolutely. Uh, I think he's yeah. Gonna, Absolutely. Yeah, I think I think you're gonna do good. I think it's doable, you know, but not in one month. No, no, you know, I agree. If we, if, I we agree. Pl- if we started planning right now, yeah, that'd be cool. But mm-hmm. I'm gonna lie to you, Zlati scares me. Um, right, you know, I- I'm one of the clean guys in the sport, yep. and uh, I mean, I look like a little boy compared to the guys in my class. No. You know, no. the 209, I, I look like a 176 guy in Russia. Yep. No. <laughs> now, Herman, I, I want to ask you, like, you know, I want to kind of switch gears and uh, just talk about, <clears throat> I want to ask you about, you know, you're you're always one of those guys that, you know, w- when UAL was coming out and people were signing contracts, you know, you were at events, but you you did you know you didn't you know you didn't sign any contracts. WAL, you know, same sort of thing. I I see that you're kind of vocal about you know not signing contracts, not kind of committing to one little you know federation or one one you know one way of doing things. Now with PAL, what changed your mind as far as being a part of that organization with the television and all that? What what kind of made you go to that aspect of things with the with the tournament? Okay, so UAL had you locked in for a period of time, right? Yep. Um, WAL has you your TV rights locked up for two years yep. or so. And if you win, I believe, you're locked in for six years. Yep. That may have changed. I don't know. But that's what I remember. Um, and as maybe a favorite, I'd be looking at a six-year uh, contract as opposed to a two-year contract. Mm-hmm. Um, that bothers me because um, I am potentially giving away my rights mm-hmm. for lottery tickets. Right? Mm-hmm. This is a tournament. There's no guarantee you win anything. I mean, 
you could get a burner match with Todd Hutchings in the first round, and you just place last, mm-hmm. right? So there's no there's no money there. It's a lottery ticket. You might win yeah. money when you're talking about a class that's that stacked. And let's say my only focus, which really it is, is Todd Hutchings. There's no guarantee I'll pull him. Yeah. Right? I might sign that contract if I, if I just know that I'm going to pull Todd. Yeah. Even if I know I'm not going to win any money, if I just know I'm going to pull Todd, I'll probably sign the contract. Um, PAL, you're only signing away your rights for that one event. Okay. So I pulled Vendetta last week or this weekend. I can go do something else now. I can go to a UAL event that has a TV waiver or something like that. Mm-hmm. Right? It doesn't hurt me. So I think that's fair. I don't, I don't, I mean, I know you have to protect your investment and stuff like that, but I don't, I really don't think it's about TV. I think it's, I think they do it to lock up the entire market. Right? No, I agree. So, yeah. so they, so effectively, WAL has, has rights to everyone, every, almost everyone in the United States to where Igor Mazarenko can't even find people to arm wrestle. Mm-hmm. Right? Now you yeah. tell me what's going on there. And guess what? And if WAL flops, and let's say CAL becomes successful, the WAL athletes will be sold. Your rights will get sold. Yeah. You know, those contracts aren't dissolved. You're still owned by that corporation. That gave you nothing. You know, that that's so, a great point. That's a great point because a lot of people, they jump boat, um, you know, jump ship, whatever, and get on there. And, uh, you know, that's one of the reasons why I'm kind of sketchy of even, you know, pulling with WAL because I don't want to get, you know, I had a hard time getting out of a, uh, a contract with the UAL, which didn't get anywhere, you know. So it's like now it's like you, you can't even, you know, to do any big tournaments, it's like you're almost locked into some kind of uh, – contract for years and years and years it's like just it, it kind of gets yeah. frustrating you know and the thing too well, I, is, I agree i agree with you guys there too you know it's really frustrating i mean that, yeah. and i agree with herman you know uh, Wait, the organizations are trying to lock the market and it's not yeah. good actually in the long run no yeah and i mean you, you can, you can see it you can see it with with the, with the game of arm stuff yeah i remember when it was on the northeast board they were trying to get everyone to sign Game of Arms releases or whatever with the production company. Yeah. Knowing damn well, knowing damn well, only ten people were going to be on the show, but they were yeah. pulling contracts out at everybody. I mean, it was a multi-level marketing scheme. You know, you have the you have a, a fancy arm wrestler who everyone likes. He tells you to sign it. Everyone signs it. It's it was like it's like Amway, or you know, a Ponzi <laughs> scheme, but for contracts. And guess what? These no one reads the contracts. No one fights for their rights or their best interests. So people sign contracts, and then they get whipsawed across the country, and they make zero dollars. Yeah. You know, they spend money. Well, we right? I, I, think, I think as individuals, we need to be more forward-thinking. You know? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, there's a reason. I mean, I'm not saying we need an arm wrestler's union, but there's a reason why they have unions, because coal workers were getting killed all the time in the mines. Yep. We don't have an arm wrestler union, so guess what? Everyone signs contracts, and no one made any money. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, and and we've been trying to get Steve Kaplan or somebody from the Wall Commission, but all we get is Travis. You know, mm-hmm. we want to ask these questions, but we can't. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, uh, we've been trying to reach these people. Yeah. But it's just, uh, I don't know. I don't but, know why they. Don't I mean, but come we. To the show but, and but I think I think Herman answered the question there, and and I I'm a true believer in that too, and and that's the thing too. It's like, and I'm not by any means even on that level to compete with those guys, but. 
that saying, if I was, I, I would be very skeptical of, you know, signing a contract and being locked into, you know, just WAL win. You got PAL going on now, um, you know, second event. Um, and I think personally that the set up when you got one-on-one -on -one combat with one person, I feel that the public can follow that and enjoy that a lot better. I, I got a bigger sports um, boost off of the CBS than I did by the ESPN WAL, and I think both of them are great for the sport, but I don't know, man. It just felt like more of a, a sporting event to me, the way the CBS um, event was uh, portrayed on TV. I mean, I just, I liked it. I liked the one-on-one -on -one combat. You cheer for your favorite, and you don't get lost up in a tournament where, you know, you might have a buddy in it, but he doesn't even get any television time because, unfortunately, like you said, he has a war with Todd Hutchings or, or RVJ, and he gets knocked out. So, you know. Correct. And I would say this, in Vegas, the crowd really played into the whole America versus Europe or the America versus Canada thing. Yep. I mean, that really got people into it, I think, more than anything. So, so you've you've mentioned Todd Hutchings a few times. Is that a guy that is on your radar? I mean, is that a guy that you, you know, you want to pull again? Yeah, everyone that knows me in Bakersfield knows Todd Hutchings. My roommates <laughs> don't watch arm wrestling. They don't lift weights. They know who Todd Hutchings is. <laughs> the people at work know who Todd Hutchings is. <laughs> right? The women I've dated know who Todd Hutchings is. Everyone knows who Todd Hutchings is. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Todd Hutchings is just the focus. I mean, he's the man, right? I mean, if I beat Allen or I beat Rob or I beat anyone else, what would he do? I mean, I go to what number three or something or two. Mm -hmm. you, you should want to be number one. You beat Todd, you go straight to number one, mm -hmm. right? It makes it so much easier. There's no tournaments to worry about. There's no brackets to worry about. There's no endurance to you know making it through. If you get a match with him and you win, you're number one. Well, that being said, I mean, do you do you like the one-on-one -on -one setup a lot better than the tournament formats? I don't know. I mean, that was like really my first, I guess, official thing for the one-on-one. -on -one. But I mean, when it comes down to chasing down the best guy, yeah, I think one-on-one's the best way to go. Right? It's too hard to go through fifty guys in a tournament and then expect to meet Todd fresh, refreshing in the end. Mm -hmm. You know. So I think yeah, if you want to make it really official. One-on-one is probably the best way to go. But you need tournaments to figure out where everyone is, you know, one through ten, per se. We can't do one-on-one -on -one matches with 50 guys to find out where everyone is, you know. You use tournaments right. to find out who are the two of the top guys, and then you use the one-on-one -on -one matches to, to crown champions and stuff. Now, now, Herman, I, we're kind of back and forth a little bit, you know, jumping the gun here. But I, I wanted to ask you a little bit when we touched on – your weight, um, nutrition, you said you weren't getting as many good meals in. Are you an avid, like, clean eater? I mean, do you follow a, a good regimen usually as far as diet goes? Um, so on average, the last five years, yeah, super clean. This year, I don't know what happened, man. I just kind of, like, fell off the horse and got super lazy. Been eating a lot of fast food, and my weight ballooned up to, like, I think I hit 235 at one point. Wow. Right. You must, I'm, just, I'm you must, broken the cycle. I'm, I'm an old fat boy. Um, my addictions <laughs> are coming back to haunt me. So I'm, 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 working, I'm working through those problems right now. I hear you, man. I hear you. Albert, you want to... Yeah, 
generally, I mean, I've probably been gluten-free 95% of the time um, mm-hmm. over the last five years. Um, you know, and I think for, for like from like 2011 to 2014, I was probably eating like one meal per day as a matter of preference. I felt good. It didn't bother me. And then end of last year, I started eating breakfast. And, man, the strength came on, like, really quick. It was crazy. What is your height, Herman? I'm, like, 5'10". 5'10". Okay. Um, And where do you see yourself in the future? What class do you think you belong to? I don't know, so I'm kind of torn. I think to be the best arm wrestler... You know, in a weight class, highest placing, highest ranking arm wrestler, I probably need to be in the 198 class, right? Maybe, maybe right. even 180, maybe even 187. I don't know. That's kind of low, though. Um, if I want to be the best and strongest person that I can be, I need to be as heavy as possible. But I don't think I'll win anything like that. You know, if I get to 240, 250 pounds, I'll be fat, I'll be really strong, but I won't be able to win a single event. So I don't think that's the answer. So it's probably anywhere from 198 to 209. Right. And uh, I want to take it back. You said uh, you uh, are one of the clean athletes in the sport. What do you think about steroid use, steroid abuse in arm wrestling, uh, drug controls, and so forth and so on? Um, I don't know. I don't. I don't lose any sleep over it, and I guess generally it's not against the rules in most leagues. Um, but I mean, it's, it's you know, as much as I try to ignore it, I've I've been in situations early in my career where I, I would beat a guy, and then two weeks later I cannot move that guy. Right? Mm-hmm. It's it's no matter how tough I try to be and ignore these things, it's it's very disheartening and discouraging when you see that kind of stuff. Um, but, I mean, it is what it is. You can't really control it. Um, you can't afford drug testing. Um, if you have drug testing, it doesn't matter because, you know, if I juice for seven months or whatever and I get clean in two, mm-hmm. you have all those gains. You know, it does, yep. I mean, it, I don't think testing really gets you much. Mm-hmm. Um, we did it at Nationals this year, and, then I mean, no one even showed up. Horrible. So I don't really know, I don't really know what you do with it. Um, I think WAL supposedly promised drug testing, and I was told that, right? Mm. And I was told that I should sign because they're going to have drug testing and I'll be the man. Well, guess what? There's still no drug testing. I'm glad I didn't sign that contract because I'd be pretty pissed off, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. But, I mean, it is what it is. People can do what they want. I mean, I don't know. I mean, one thing that, that, that bugs me is when people aren't honest about it. Exactly. Right? If, if a guy is straightforward, I mean, dude, go ahead. Light it up, you know? You know, do what you got to do. Blow yourself up. But, I mean, to sit there and, and lie about stuff, you know, when it's, like, completely obvious, mm-hmm. I mean, that's when it's weird. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, a lot of the top guys have, you know, somewhat admitted to it, even on the show. Yep. You know, they, they have their they have a roundabout way of admitting it, but, you know, they're, they're <laughs> yeah. honest in a sense. You know, uh, I, have a, I have a list of all those ways they say it. I think it's hilarious. I'm not going to quote it. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, but, but if, if you're honest, I mean, I can work with that. I think that's that's fair. Yeah, that's so true. And, and, and another thing is how people use it. You know, if you arm wrestle for 10 years and you've maybe maxed out your genetic potential and then you use it to become amazing, I think that's at least a smart way to use it. 
mm-hmm. right? But if you're arm wrestling for like three months and then you get on Trenvalone, I mean, come on. That, <laughs> you're not, yeah, I mean, not going to go anywhere. It's like, right, it's like guys I, in high school, the guys in high school that use drugs to make the high school baseball team. They yeah. won't play college baseball. They've already flipped the switch. Yep. Right. You know? and, and maybe this is a this is a very good point, Herman. Uh, I'm glad you brought it up. Maybe no. uh, our uh, listeners, if you have fellow uh, arm wrestlers, rookies out there, you know, uh, Herman did it. You know, it just takes time. There's a lot of other examples, and you mm-hmm. come to a point maybe after five, ten years, and uh, at that point you want to do it. It's smarter. I agree with you, definitely. Yeah. So don't rush into things. No. Yeah, you got guys. You got guys. You got guys sitting at the starting line in their race car, and they haven't even hit the gas yet, and they're hitting the nitrous switch, yeah. and they're parked. Yep. Come on. It's so true, man. It's so true, and that that's a, and those are the guys that you know that they really don't want to put in the work either. It's like it's always an easy route, you know what I mean? And for me, it's all the hard work. I think part of the man. problem is also correct arm wrestling sport as a sport is you know, really a hard sport to start. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you really get humbled really quick. and You know, it really plays with, you know, uh, some people's minds. You know, if you're not mm-hmm. a strong mindset person, and you know, don't know much about sports and, you know, hard work ethics and so forth, then arm wrestling can really play with one's mind and they may try to choose a shortcut. You know, but uh, here's yeah. a good, you know, this is a good message that Herman pointed on. You know, wait, definitely wait, and uh, maybe you won't do it, uh, you know, which is maybe the best way for you, you know, and maybe at some point you decide to do it, then, uh, oh, well, at least you waited, you know, enough well, years to see. Right. And, 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 I, and I tell people about forward thinking, whether it's contracts mm-hmm. or drug use, you know, mm-hmm. some people say, I think I want to do a cycle for this tournament, mm-hmm. and I think that's a very short-term answer. What I ask myself, and I ask myself the question all the time, is do I want to use steroids for the rest of my life? Because that's, that's the real question. Because mm-hmm. once you do it, once you mm-hmm. do it, I don't see how you'll ever give it up. You're right? not stopping. So exactly. if, if, I get, if I get on a cycle and my deadlift shoots over 700 pounds, I will never give that up. Of course not. Of course yeah, not. Yeah, so the question, is not, the question is not do you want to do it for six weeks or ten weeks or whatever you do. It's do you mm-hmm. want to do this forever? And do you want to be a slave to that forever? I'm exactly. too much of a control freak. I'm too much of a control freak to let something control me like that. And that, it's a good point too because I tell people all the time, especially kids that come up to me in the gym and they ask me, "Hey, man, you know, I want to get on a cycle. I want to gain ten pounds. You know, I just want to do it for twelve weeks, like you were saying." And uh, you know, and I always tell them, "I'm like, hey, dude, are you eating a hundred percent? Are you training a hundred percent? Are you?" you know, resting 100%, and out of one of, you know, one of three of those analogies, the guys aren't putting in 100% of the effort, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, use your genetic potential till you get to the end of the road, and if we're talking about, you know, signing a a $50 million NFL contract, and you're, you know what I'm saying, it's a lot different, or another thing is, if you've been training for 20 years, and you want to recover, and you want to take, you know, to the next level, whatever, that's your personal choice. But I tell people, I made the mistake earlier in life, because, you know, my goal was to be, you know, I had a pipe dream that I was going to be Mr. Olympia. So when I was 18 and 19, I was a gym rat since I was 12 years old, and guys were telling me, hey, you need to take this to get to that level. 
And I thought, oh, well, I'm going to be um, I'm going to be a friggin' Mr. Olympia. And guess what? It never happened. And I health wise, I have to take replacement or I, I have a testosterone level of a fucking 80 year old. And, and, and that's that's the reality of things is you're, you're not going to stop taking them. And the reality of things is if you do it too young, you're going to end up damaging yourself for what? Yeah. For nothing. And if there's a if there's a million if there's a million dollars, I'm gonna start buying some bigger hats. My head <laughs> is gonna be so huge. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, shit, that's funny, Herman. That's funny, dude. Now I gotta well, ask you, like, I want to ask you just basically too, like, like I want to take it back a little bit. I mean, what got you interested in arm wrestling? I mean, was that something that went hand in hand with your powerlifting? I mean, how did you get into the sport from the beginning? So um, I was in college for engineering, and I had some really good internships, and I was selling appliances, made a ton of money, and I did not have to work my last two years of school. And I said that I need to stop working to focus on schoolwork. So I quit work. I went from 19 hours of school and 40-plus hours a week of work to 13 hours of school and no work whatsoever. And... I went to the classes, and they were easy, and I didn't need to study, and I had a ton of time on my hands. Um, so I was at the gym playing basketball, and I saw maintenance workers sitting there watching. I said, hey, man, come shoot some ball. He said, I can't. I tore my shoulder up. I said, how'd you tear your shoulder up? He said, arm wrestling. And I had a ton of time on my hands, so I started arm wrestling. And I believe that was Jason Vincent, who I think had a silver medal at WAF in the 121s or something like that. Wow. Um, but that's generally how I got across. He mentioned arm wrestling, and then I went to Google it. I found Joey Fitz and Ryan Timms, and that's how I started arm wrestling. I just had a ton of time on my hands. And what year was that? This was uh, March 2010. Wow. And you just caught the so bug and five, been training hard ever years. since. Yeah. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. I went to a couple practices, and it was, it's been balls to the wall ever since. I mean, I was, I was hooked from the start. And, I mean, it wasn't like Roses where I was beating everybody. It was Ray Hendricks top-rolling me like 80 times for three hours every week, you know. I mean, it took, it's probably like, it took me a year to get to the other side of the table. <laughs> and, I mean, Ray, Ray's like double-capping me and stuff. I mean, just, I mean, just top-rolled over and over and over and over again. But I learned how to shut down the top roll, you know? Yep, yep. What is your uh, what is your main technique? Where are your strengths and where are your weaknesses? How do you uh, evaluate yourself? I don't know. I mean, uh, generally I was a top roller, and then I started getting hooked a lot. So then I worked on my hook, and that became good. And I think generally I'm a counter arm wrestler. Um. I'm really looking in a setup to find out where I should go. So if I arm wrestle somebody and I see that there's a huge hole on the hook, I'm going to jump right into a hook. If I feel the hands weak, I'll go to a top roll. Um, generally, I'm somewhere in the middle, but I'm always countering. Um, I don't tip, I'm not typically hyper-aggressive on the start. Right. If you see, if you see me completely hit on somebody... It's because they had no chance whatsoever. I mean, I felt like I overwhelmed them. But usually if it's like Allen or, you know, Rob or Kenny Hughes or somebody, I'm usually trying to find out where to go. 
Right. And uh, I want to change the topic here. John Milne wanted to uh, wanted us <laughs> yeah. to tell you that you are on the target list now. I don't know well, what the high, that means. Yeah, the high hookers from Ottawa do say hi. That's what I was told. They're practicing tonight. I know they're listening, and they wanted to say hi to you, Herman. Yeah, I guess I'm going to have to go through all the high hookers now. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think I got, I think I got Eric at WAL. I've gotten Allen. I guess John's okay. next, and then and then maybe Devin. Okay, there you yeah, go. There you have it. That would be a nice between John and you, yeah. John yeah, yeah. making a comeback, so... I would yeah. like to see that. If I pull Devin, I get to start with his hand bent backwards. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit, that's funny. Oh man. Do you uh do you have a role model in arm wrestling? I mean not not a role model but maybe uh, somebody that you know that that's your favorite. Uh doesn't have to be, you know, right now a current arm wrestler overall, somebody that you respect or, you know, think highly of. Yeah, I've got a few, like, just throughout the years. I mean, Craig, like, really showed me what strong was. Um, I mean, so I think the first year or whatever was with Ray and some other guys, and then Craig came back and, I mean, just blew me away. Uh, you know, I thought I thought the ceiling was somewhere, and then Craig completely reset the ceiling on what I thought strong was in arm wrestling. Um, crazy. I mean... Taking his hits every week was just brutal. I think I had, like, stress fractures all up and down my arm and stuff like that. I couldn't even curl 20 pounds at one point. But Craig's up there. Um, I've been a huge fan of Todd since day one, uh, Todd Hutchings. And, uh, and, I mean, there's, like, some European guys that are, like, they're, like, are really good to watch, like uh, Gennady, Kavikavinia, these guys. Um, but, yeah, that's probably the short list. Hmm. Right. Well, Herman, man, I, I want to thank you, man, for uh, taking the time out being on the show. Uh, it was great having you on, and uh, I want to wish you the best of luck in uh, your future endeavors. We're looking forward to hopefully seeing you at another Vendetta or another big tournament here soon, maybe even pulling Todd Hutchings. So uh, I just want to thank you for taking the time out, man, and best of luck to you. Awesome. Thanks for having me. All right. Bye. Well, guys, Herman Stevens, and we're going to be right back after this message from our sponsor. Prepare for the battle of your life. Bring your A-game and tune your weapons with the Wrist Wrench. The Wrist Wrench is a weightlifting pulley handle designed by and for arm wrestlers. It helps develop and strengthen the hand, wrist, and forearm. Crank up your power with the Wrist Wrench. Visit thewristwrench.com today. That's www.thewristwrench.com. Ryan J. Pitts from StrongerGrip.com. I'm known as the mad scientist of metal from all the metal creations I've made over the last 25 years. The World Arm Wrestling League Championship Hammers are one of those creations. I'm passionate about strength and metal. I'm a mad scientist on a mission to bring strength seekers high-quality, old-school crafted strength gear that will last a lifetime. In the Stronger Grip store, you'll find loads of grip gear, sledgehammers, clubs, and maces. Custom work can also be done. Check out Ryan J. Pitts on Facebook and also the Facebook Stronger Grip page. With Stronger Grip, there's no gimmicks, no bullshit, just handcrafted strength gear. Get the gear, 
Do the work. StrongerGrip.com. Welcome back, guys. And, uh, man, what a great interview with Herman, man. He's a really, really intelligent and basically basic guy. Like, uh, you know, I had no idea that, you know, he was training two or three times a day, um, you know, powerlifting background. Uh, you know, I thought when I had him on the show, I thought originally that he was just going to be one of those guys that practice a couple days a week and really never train because he really doesn't post anything out there of what's going on with him. So, and that's another one of those guys that are quietly training their ass off. And that's why you see these guys progress and progress, you know, five years in the sport and all of a sudden now he's, you know, on the top of the food chain, you know, it's just amazing. Right, right. I agree, and uh, I, I was very impressed with what he explained. The points that he made on was, That's you know, uh, right, right on actually uh, on awesome. uh, you know yep. important areas of arm wrestling. Mm. Uh, so true know, because uh, you know it's so true because we're always looking for that kind of like, hey, what do you do? Blah 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 blah. You know, for the listeners out there, because you know a lot of not a lot of new listeners and stuff, and it's really like he said, you you grab on something. You basically work towards it. You know it's not. You know if it's going to work after six months to a year. And basically, it's all a basic program that almost everybody's doing. But some people are just doing it a little differently. But at the end of the day, it's all the same. It's hard work and using what you need to work on and improve on to be better. You know, and it's just it's simple. And I love the analogy on the whole drug use too because it's so true you don't lose sleep over it it can be frustrating and at the end of the day um you know that's a decision so well of course i mean you know when i ask a question of steroid use abuse you know uh, uh doping control and arm wrestling my uh my intention is not to stir the pot oh no no but you know we we have friends you know i mean a lot of friends in arm wrestling that does, you know, that stuff. Uh, I know. You know, I, I, I'm a natural guy, too. You know, and, know. and you know, I'm not going to judge anybody if somebody's doing it. It's their own no. choice. But, you know, but, we, we still, I, I believe that we have to talk about it. We can't just... No, no you have to talk the, about it. Yeah. Right. And that's the reason why I asked this question. I asked John, you know, the same mm-hmm. way I asked the Herman, you know, the same way I asked the Todd. Same way I asked the Devon, you know. So I think uh, it's it's good that it's been spoken. So yes. uh, the new kids that start arm wrestling, the the rookies, you know, they know what's going on. Exactly, you know, and, and 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 to be honest with it, and be honest with it. I mean, you know what I mean. If someone asks you a question and you're taking stuff and you want to say, oh, you know, I took some gel or whatever, you want to whatever sugarcoat it, whatever. However you want to put it, at least it's being honest that people have used something for recovery. And that's why I share my experiences with it because I'll tell young guys out there, right, if you're in the sport and you're just getting into arm wrestling, don't decide to take drugs, you know, to improve. There's a lot of other things you can do in the first four to five years to improve as an arm wrestler that you never have to take that kind of stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like there's so much to learn, so much tendons to be built, and so much out there, you know what I'm saying? Like, but sometimes people want to jump the gun, and we live in an instant gratification society nowadays where everybody wants to be Dave Shafee and Travis Bajan and all these guys, but they forget that 
you know, these guys started somewhere, and it takes time, and it's a progression. And, uh, you know, it's all about health and smart, you know, so. But, uh, you know, speaking of PAL, I I got a message, I got a text from from a guy that was part of it, and I wanted to uh, have uh, Corey the Flash Miller join us in on our – evaluation of the event since he was there and and, and me and um me and Albert finally got the uh live stream to work we missed uh i don't know did you see any herman's matches uh albert no i i didn't I, but i i, I saw I, uh Corey's yeah, matches. I, that's when it started i saw all the matches and Corey, i want to congratulate you for uh i mean a dominant performance I, I thought it was just you know it was like you and then i thought it wasn't even in the same league and i know the last match you were playing around in the hook a little bit, and you got to a position where it wasn't good. But, I mean, before that, it was just crazy, dude. I mean, crazy. I felt, I felt better than I thought I was going to do, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, for sure, dude. I mean, how was the overall event for you uh, performing? I mean, it was kind of a little little kind of bizarre there where you guys had to take a little break because of the, what was it, fireworks or some kind of music stuff and videos going on there on the street? Yeah, every top of the half an hour or something like that, they had the the show across the top of the um, Fremont Street, you know? <laughs> and uh, so we'd have to stop for like 10 minutes. I wasn't mm-hmm. playing by any means, but they shut off no, all the lights and you can't see anything. Yeah, that sucks. So, and I gotta, I gotta say before we start the evaluation of the event, I gotta say, give a big handoff to James Redarides, man. I gotta say, his play-by-play commentary was impeccable. It was amazing. He gave a whole new. I can't wait till uh, people that don't even arm wrestle get to watch this event because he broke down the different positions, hands, how he went into the hook, how he drove back with back pressure. And gave a history of, you know, because he's been in the sport so many years, it was awesome. And I, I was talking to James after the event, and I was saying, man, I was so impressed by your yeah. play-by-play. It was awesome, dude. I mean, it was awesome. I mean, and, and and you need to see that. You need to hear that. You need to have a guy. Like, I think him and Neil Pickup would be the ultimate duo on an event, man. You know, Neil's intensity and, and, and um, and, um, James's intellect with the sport of arm wrestling was amazing, and uh, yeah, I just want to. I mean, you put those guys together at a tournament, and I can listen for hours. That's music to my ears. Yeah, no, great, it's great. So anyway, Corey, dominant performance overall. I mean, what did you think of the other event? Of did you get to watch all the other matches? Yeah, I watched. I watched all the way from the whole setup to um, the you know very first match, all the way to the very end. Perfect. Uh, we actually got to sit down. Um, you know, all the armatures were sitting down right in the front stage, so that's all everything. Let's uh, let's talk about Herman Stevens dominating over Alan Ford. I mean, how what what was your perspective on that matchup? We didn't get to see the matchup. Herman won four two. Uh, what was that matchup as far as what you saw? I just think that uh, Herman never allowed him to get into a good position. And Herman's hand looked solid. Uh, he, he never got in a um, uh, in a I would call a you know potentially bad situation with his arm. So Alan was never able to go over his hand or anything. And even that one time when Alan sort of did, 
it still looks like Herman felt pretty good in control of the match, um, which I was kind of surprised. I, I actually, I I like Herman at all, but I had a feeling that Allen would do better than he did. Mm-hmm. But you would see that wasn't the case. I mean, if you saw the last match that they got those hands, they it was pretty close. You know, I would say it was close, mm-hmm. but I thought it would go slightly different than it did. Not as much of a dominant, um, you know, towards Herman. But you think the, the matches, do you think do you think the endurance thought, the endurance was kind of catching on there maybe a little bit? Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I mean, it, it, I'm just I'm speculating off of the last match, and so I thought that out of all six matches their match would be the closest one. Mm-hmm. But that obviously was not the case. Now, the um, rest of the card, the rest of the card, I mean, it just seemed one-sided to me. I mean, we, we got to watch your matchup with Vaskin, uh, one-sided show, Michael, Gould, and Jan. I mean, I just didn't even think Michael was in the, the event. I think Jan was playing with him in the hook. Uh, it just seemed like that was just another dominant performance what 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 did you think about that, Alper? Well, I mean, well, before we go into the other matches, I want to ask Corey actually one thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did Waskin say to you after the tournament was over? I mean, was he, you know, shocked, surprised, impressed? What what was his reaction? I really wonder that. Uh, to be honest with you, we didn't really talk after the tournament, <laughs> so. Um, you don't really know how he felt about I I mean obviously he said congratulations and all that but after the after the match I don't really know where he went until we took pictures at the end and I never saw him the rest of the day so I don't know this was a this was a I think it was a good gauge for you know to compare where you stand against some of the Europeans because Waskin is Usually, as you know, strong dominant guy in his weight class at WAF. So, what what do you think? Where does that put you in terms of you know with the foreign competition out there? Um, if if I'm gonna drop down to that low, or you know, or possibly 54, if I were to do something stupid, um, <laughs> I think I I I think I've always known that I'd be in the the top and mix, but. I don't know. I just to make 54s now for me is quite difficult. I mean, if I had, you know, a nutritionist and I started dieting correctly and ran and stuff, I probably could make it more on a consistent basis. But I don't know. It's I've always wanted to go bigger and better, you know, go against harder people. So going staying down at that low weight is not my. Uh, future goals, but unless, you know, the money was right or whatever. And uh, the the weight cut even to 160 was was quite difficult considering I couldn't run and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I, I think I'm I'm easily in the top 10 in that, in that class if I were to go to there. And I... You broke up, Albert. You still there? All right, we're having a little difficult with Albert's phone there, but uh, when he joins us back, this so let's. It. Okay, you got it. Okay, you you cut out, Albert. Repeat your question. 
Okay, uh, I was saying I remember uh, Corey and uh, your interview, and he was kind of uh, stating uh, kind of complaining that he didn't have a chance to, uh, you know, uh, spend the table time. Uh, he didn't have a chance to arm wrestle as much, and he feels usually better when he arm wrestles uh, more. So uh, now looking at your performance, this you did this great. Yeah, Albert, you're cutting out, man. You're cutting out. I don't know if you're in a bad bad area. I think I am, Craig. The signal is really bad here. All right, so I, I know what you were saying. Basically, what he was saying is, Corey, you, you train in the gym a lot, and you didn't get the table time in. You had a dominant performance. You feel stronger on the table when you're practicing. I know when we had you on the show last week, you kind of, you know, you were iffy here and there. If you You know, your confidence wasn't as high going in to the matchup because of the rust, sort of speak, on the table. But you went in there, you dominated. Do you think that that gives you a little different perspective on, you know, the gym training had helped, or were you, what do you think? Um, yes and no. I mean, the I feel that I'm stronger than I was, and I, and I kind of elaborate that on the last call, but I, I'll never – not want to do the gym or the arm wrestling training first. I mean, gym training is great and all. I just my endurance. Um, you felt it is, you know. I I I'm a, I'm sore from the six matches. What ridiculous! Sore I from gotcha. Six matches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So no, I... that's kind of why I'm. Uh, I think the strength overall helped me be more dominant in that match. You know? I really didn't feel like I was going to end up being that dominant. Um, but if I was training for an tournament again versus that, I think, you know, maybe I might incorporate a lot more gym just because I don't have to have as much in- like I did before or the, this gotcha. match. Okay. All right, so we lost Albert. He was having a little bad connection there. So it's just me and you. We're going to finish off, wrap up the show. All right, we got the Gould Jans match. Like I was saying earlier, I thought, you know, I, you know, I love Michael. Um, it didn't seem like he was in it. Uh, Jans yeah. is too overpowered. I mean, what was your opinion on that matchup? Yeah, it's just like I said, he 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 never got in a dominant position. He kept getting opened up most of the time. It seemed like Jen was uh, not pulling, I said, but, you know, allowing him to do what he wanted to do and still being able to go through his arm. Um, I know Mike was very concerned about that match before they even had the match. He mm-hmm. uh, was nervous the whole time before and didn't really know the guy very well. Didn't have a lot of time to prepare in general. Well, yeah, originally Chandler was supposed to pull, but since Chandler's in school, couldn't get away on a Saturday because of school. They put they brought Ghoul in, and then, you know, I don't think he even had three weeks to get ready for this guy. Yeah, and that, and that kind of playing into it too, and not having time to prepare or anything like that. So, um, yeah, I just he looked very unconfident the whole time. Mm-hmm. You know. yeah, I got that, that same vibe, man. I got that same vibe. Now, we got Richard Lupkis against Sergi. I mean, Richard's just been having some bad matchups lately. I mean, I don't know if it's Father Time's coming up here. 
He's not getting table time in. I mean, I just feel like he's all side pressure. I mean, this guy, a much smaller puller, which is irrelevant, but holding him in the hook and, you know, just outpowering Richard. I mean, I just was super impressed by uh, by that. What, what, what's your I've, opinion on that? And I've said this a billion times. If, if I could take Richard and train him arm wrestling for, like, say, two months, right? Mm-hmm. Richard would probably be 95% of the people out there because he's that strong. Mm-hmm. And and any, anybody who's ever pulled Richard knows that. He has, like, the strongest hand you've ever felt ever. His arm is retarded strong. It's mm-hmm. just the, the whole, um, the techniques and stuff. Like, there's multiple times where I saw Richard grabbing low when he's trying to top roll through the guy's hand, and as soon as he grabbed up high, he would go over the top of his hand and elbow foul or something something dumb like that, but, you know, it's just little things, little little tiny things that he could have easily changed, you know, or, or prepared for differently just from thing-specific training than rather than uh, lifting all the time. But, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's, we've had that conversation with him on the show. We've talked about that, and he doesn't get, you know, he has no one out there to pull with. I mean, he just weight yeah. trains and you know, and it, it it really is showing at the elite level. I mean, I love Richard. You know, at his yeah. age, he's still dominant. But I agree with you. If he spent a month or two with you, um, I think it would be a whole different world. You know, so oh, he he kill people. Mm-hmm. He's he's easily the strongest person. I've I've pulled almost national good arm wrestler out there. Maybe other than I haven't had a chance to pull him yet, but. I pulled John. I pulled Travis. I pulled all of, and mm-hmm. and Richard is the only person that scares me that I would never want to arm wrestle again. <laughs> so, <'cause laughs> his hand is just unbelievable strong, and if he just a little bit of technique behind it, it would just it would be night. scary. Yeah. So hopefully that happens before uh, before Richard ends his career, man, because we like to see him back on there. And I know last time with Pushguard. He was pulling all all that the expo and stuff like that, and push guards a whole different yeah. piece. But but I think uh, Richard with a little technique, it could have been a different uh, different story. Now moving on to the main event uh, before we wrap up the show, Big Tim Bresnick. I mean, he just looked like he was in another league, man. I mean, and that, I kind of expected that. I figured no matter what, if Krasimir couldn't get him into his hook that it was going to get top rolled every single time. Yeah. And Krasimir never got his on-the-shoulder hook inside like he likes, okay. so he was always trying to defend outside or trying to get to some type of advantage, mm-hmm. which he was never able to fully get. I mean, a couple of times where he sort of stopped for a minute, like when he was trying to top roll a little bit, but mm-hmm. that was more defensive than anything. He wasn't really attacking through that. He was mm-hmm. defensively trying to get out of his hand and then possibly get in his trap or get high enough to where he could do something, which is never a good thing for a hooker. No. No. But Tim's but, been looking uh, impressive, man. I mean, you know, big shout-out to him for sure. Big event coming up yeah. in January. I mean, you know, him uh, Did and you Michael get to Tuck. see the first match? Yes. Did you? I didn't. The, the, what? Um, with um, Carlos? With who? Oh, now. Eduardo and 
No, I didn't get to see Alguardo, and I almost forgot about him. Now, God, that, that guy—he's like one of the strongest guys out there, pound for pound, man. It's just crazy. Inside that kid is ridiculous. I mean, he yep. is—he's one of a kind inside. Yep. Though he's—he's he's not very fast. He's mm-hmm. his his top roll is non-existent. Um, his ability to get top roll is high if someone can get there fast enough. Yep. Um, he, that match actually, in my opinion, was pretty pretty good. I mean, yeah, Guardo was going through his arm once they got into a hook, but there was a couple of times where they were in a strap and uh, I can never say that kid's name, but he, looked- he would stop him on the bottom side of the table and start peeling his hand in that strap. And okay. I I thought for a second there he was going to get him a couple of times. Never was able to get powered through the guy's arm. But uh, I can't even think of that guy's name. But um, it's it's D- Daywin Daywin. D- I don't know. I can't pronounce yeah. it either. Looks like David, yeah. but with a W. <laughs> so, but um, he, yeah, that barely close to him when he wasn't able to stop his arm. He was able to power through his hand a little bit. He just didn't have the force. Move him. Yeah. No. Very no, strong. I mean, the last couple times we've seen him, I mean, he's, I mean, Kevin Baumgartner, he went through him like butter. I mean, it's just crazy. Yeah. This kid is strong. I mean, so. Because Baumgartner went right into his hook. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not a good idea. Not a good idea. Yeah. So. Not a good idea. Well, you know, that being said, I mean, great event. Great experience. Great seeing you out there kicking some butt. And uh, can't wait to see the finished product on uh, CBS. It's going to be yeah. awesome. I can't wait. Um, you know, congratulations to you, Corey. Wish you the best of luck with whatever you're doing. What's next for you before we uh, end the show here? Uh, I don't have – I mean, I'm, if I can make Zaldi happen, I'm going to try. But I am, I'm not promising anything right at the moment. Okay. But uh keep us posted. Just just getting back to training like normal and stuff and well, good. Well good. It happens, you know. Well thanks for calling in, Corey, for uh Corey Miller, Corey the Flash Miller, for Albert Kozar. I'm Craig Subalair. This is another exciting episode of Arm Wrestle Nation Radio. I wanna thank you guys for tuning in. Thank our guest Herman Stevens for uh for calling in and uh we'll talk to you guys next week. to a broadcast of Arm Wrestling Nation Radio. If you tuned in halfway through the show, you can download the entire episode on iTunes today. Just go to iTunes and search Arm Wrestling Nation Radio. Visit us on Facebook for updates, photos, and direct links to the show at awnr.us. Arm Wrestling Nation Radio will put you over the top.
is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.